I would just like to pray for her before she brings the word the Lord's put on um, her heart for us this morning. So if you would just uh, join me in that. Father, we do just really thank you for Suzanne. And Lord, over the years, the incredible testimonies of your faithfulness to her and also her faithfulness to you. And so, Father, as much as we are um, hungry to hear what she has to share um, with us this morning, we also just really pray that um, you would be refreshing and and filling her up at the end of this season of a lot of travelling, that, God, you would bless her and... um, Everything, Lord, that um, you put before her, Lord, in this next season, that it would be fruitful and full of life. So we just thank you for her. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Are you, you're, and you're on. You are. Great. And I'd just love to thank all of you who have supported our ministry. You have no idea how precious and valued that has been and how far that has gone in reaching people to Christ. I've just got back from Thailand where we are reaching into an unreached people group of northern Thailand called the Karen Peoples. They may have been reached in other areas, I would not know, but in this remote area of the jungle over the mountains, they are unreached. We went into the village by motorbike, down interesting paths and down river beds, and we boiled some water, and we invited the villagers for a cup of Milo. This was an enormous treat, and they folded up the little Milo packets and put them in their back pockets. I then introduced with some good news, and I gave them the gospel message from Genesis to what God did for us by sending Jesus, who delivered us from sin, sickness, and death, Ascended to heaven, where he's alive right now to forgive their sins, heal their bodies, and give them eternal life. And I said, who would like to receive Jesus? And their hands went up. I then discovered that Genesis was part of their culture, handed down for 3,000 years, and they knew about the fall of man, and they knew the scripture where God said, cursed is the ground because of what? You have done. In toil and sweat you shall live of it all the days of your life. That's as far as they heard. But today they had heard the best news that they ever heard in their lives, what Jesus had done for them. And they're out this week getting them baptized in water and planting a church. And your gifts are translating the Bible school into the Karen language so that we can disciple them. We know we will reach all the village in those mountains and go over to Burma to reach the others. 
I believe God's put those lost villages on our hearts now as utmost importance because Christ cannot come back until all peoples have heard the good news. What Jesus has done for us on the cross, these Karen people brought it to yet another level. I mean, Jesus, the first thing he did, I mean, the well-known verse, John 3, 16, that God loved the world so much, he sent his only begotten son, that those who believe in him shall not die, but shall have everlasting life. For Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And if we read a couple of other scriptures, John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was a light of men. Ephesians 1, 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And then Ephesians 2, Verse 6 says, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's what prayer does. It takes us up into the throne room of God, into his courtrooms. Have you been there a lot lately? That's where, what we live for. You see, there's three kingdoms. There's a kingdom of heaven ruled by God and his angels. There's a kingdom of darkness ruled by the devil and his demons. And there's a kingdom of this world where we walk. But because of the fall of man, we are actually born in a kingdom of darkness. Because Adam and Eve gave this perfect world that had no sin, no sickness, no death, over to the devil in exchange for the knowledge of good and evil. That is how sin, sickness, and death enter this world. We, there's no escape. No way in this world is there escape of those three curses. So the only escape is Jesus. Because only Jesus has conquered sin, sickness, and death. No other can claim such a thing. Only Jesus. And as we are receive him as Lord and Savior and get baptized in water, where we identify with the death of Jesus as we go under the water and rise out of the water born again to the kingdom of heaven, we are actually transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist was the first to preach that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Then Jesus went out and proclaimed, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he sent his 12 disciples to do the same. And then the 70, and then us. The kingdom of heaven is here, right now, amongst us. But we've got to choose where we're going to live. In the kingdom of darkness? No way. In the kingdom of world, where we live limited? 
That's why they say the things of God are foolishness to the people of the world, for they are spiritually discerned. Only believers can discern spiritual things because they're born again spiritually to eternal life. So it's amazing that many of us, we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior somewhere in our lives, but we carry on walking on the earthly realm in the limited realm of the earthly realm where things are impossible. But when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and we're born again to eternal life, and he gives us his Holy Spirit, we are supposed to live in the supernatural realm on this earth. And only as we live in the supernatural realm will we be effective to those around us. God's given us the gifts of the Holy Spirit with nine gifts. We all know. The three prayer gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. The three wisdom gifts, intellectual gifts, knowledge, wisdom, discernment. But we can only live in the gifts of the Holy Spirit if we know God, hear him, and obey him. If we don't do that, we're just walking in the flesh. But as we do what God tells us to do through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God himself confirms what he's told us to do with signs and wonders following. He does it every single time. There are so many benefits of who we become in Christ when we learn to live in him. First, we are made alive. 1 Corinthians 15:22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Two, we become new creatures. 2 Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He calls us to be saints at 3, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 verse 2. Under the church of God, which is in Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. You're all called to be saints. 4, we become wise. 1 Corinthians 4:10. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We have foolishness to the things of the world, but we are so wise in Christ. We become free. Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Sin is bondage. Righteousness is freedom. Sickness is bondage. Health is freedom, etc. Because... In verse uh, 6, number 6, we walk not after the flesh, but after the spirits. Romans 8, 1. There's now, therefore, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. We are three in one. We are body, soul, and spirit. 
Without God, the soul takes on the desires of the flesh, as we see in the world all around us. But when we become Christians, born again to eternal life, the soul takes on the stronger force, that of the spirit. And we are transformed and renewed into the image of Christ. And to live in righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Philippians 3.9 And be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness of God by faith. And number eight, to live in holiness. Ephesians 1, 4. According as he's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. For 1 John 3, 9, for whoever is born of God does not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Jesus said while he was alive, a new commandment on earth, I mean, a new commandment I give unto you, love one another as I have loved you. All sin is caused by hate. Hate for God or hate for one another or hate for yourself. If you love God, love one another and love yourself, you will not sin. It's done. Love. It's a freedom of sin. But how do we get there? By getting to know God. And it starts with learning to abide in him. And all the verses on abide speaks of us of being his friends. Now, I took two years trying to learn how to abide in him. I spent a lot of time on this. I sought him daily. The longest it took to get into his presence was one and a half days. I so determined to get into the presence of God that I said to the Lord, I'm not going to stop until I find you. It took one and a half days. When I managed to get in, I did not want to get out. It was too much hard work getting in. I believe the Lord tests us to see if we are really serious. But it got easier. And a bit easier. And after two years, I thought I had managed to achieve it. We're flying over to Africa on the plane. And I said, Lord, have I learnt to abide in you yet? And the Lord said, no. 
said, do you like a watering can? You come to me, you visit me, then you go out and you get empty. When you're totally empty, you come back for more. I want you to enter in and dwell in me 24-7. Oh. Back to the Bible. Look, every scripture from Genesis to Revelation on dwell in him. That took a bit more time. I'll just give you one question, one verse on abiding in him. John 15, 7 to 11, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and shall be my disciples. As the Father loved me, so I loved you. Continue my love. Well, I thought that that was enough. I'm already becoming a disciple of our abide in him. Now, what is the difference between abide and dwell? 1 John 4, 13. Hereby know that we dwell in him because he has given us of his spirit. So we're, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, so that enables us to actually dwell in him. Psalm 27, 4 to 5. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. All the days of my life is while I'm on earth, not in heaven. Dwell is live. God's calling us to live in him. 24-7. Not to be a visitor like abide. While I learned to abide in God, I was visiting his presence, getting filled up, coming out of his presence, and living in the world. Now, he's turning that around and telling me to live in his presence, like we live in our house. You sleep in your house, you eat in your house, you do everything in your house. You come out of your house. And then you go back in your house. You're going to sleep there tonight. We've got to live in his presence like we live in our house. And you know, he calls those that dwell in his presence his beloved. We become his family. Sons and daughters of our Father God in heaven need to dwell in Christ. It's only through Christ we can approach God and go to heaven. We've got to live in his presence. Then we are able to live out of his presence in that we do, and the Lord comes with us. Then as we serve him in obedience, joyful, surrendered obedience, we come to live and work 
as one with Christ. That is the best thing to do. It's fantastic. That's what I aim to do all the time. That is what I was experiencing with this Korean people. He gave me the key. Never give, leave out any part of the gospel. Genesis was the key, is the key to reach the Korean people. It was handed down all those generations. Now we have the key, it's easy to reach the rest. And I know the entire villages will become Christians because I'm bringing their Jesus to them, their God. Psalm 23, 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Dwelling in Christ is our permanent home now and forever. It doesn't matter where he sends you, which country you live in. Our home is in Christ. That's our eternal home. It's best we start living in his eternal home now. Not wait till we go to heaven. We sometimes have things wrong. At least I did. So how... Do we dwell in him rather than abide in him? Well, it takes a bit of effort at first. It's pressing in, in prayer, in love. It's pressing in and pressing in and pressing in and pressing in and pressing in until suddenly... You never want to come out of his presence till you are entwined in him. And suddenly you lose your identity. It's not about you anymore. It's about him. Everything becomes about him. And suddenly he replaces your weaknesses with his strengths. And he gives you everything you need from the heavenly places. As John the Baptist rightfully said, we cannot receive even one thing unless it be given us from heaven. And I read an interesting verse in John. God does not give his spirit with measure. He gives it to us his spirit with, without measure. That means he doesn't give Rhine-eyed bunker a bucket full and us a teaspoonful. When I read that scripture, I thought, right, I wonder how many hours Rhine-eyed bunker spends in prayer every day. I found out. Minimum three. Three hours every single day, sometimes five hours. Well, no wonder he gets a bucket full of me, a teaspoonful, with me and my 20 minutes. 
Well, I, I, I want a bucket full, thank you, not a teaspoonful. Because serving God is not a project, but an overflow. <laughs> Waiting on God produces the overflow. Because it's only the overflow you can give away. And if you're not filled up to overflow, you've got nothing to give anybody. Right, well, Rhino Bonker's spending three hours minimum in prayer a day, and he's a very busy man, then I'm going to. Right, so I did. And what happened? I suddenly had a ministry. God did it. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. He just did it. Suddenly I was in ministry. And knowing that I cannot run a ministry on my own, I learned that in prayer, the secret of running a ministry is hearing God and then obeying him. And as you obey him, God does it. After doing this evangelism in the villages, I had to do a seminar. And our very intellectual uh, director of our work in Thailand, a lovely English man called Nicholas Benstead, he arranges a seminar at the Voice of Peace uh, radio station, which I also gave the gospel message over Voice of Peace twice while I was there. And I've got their beautiful facilities to train all the evangelists that he got from the various villages. And he says, please... I want you to give us your strategy. I said, what strategy? I don't have one. He said, but you must. He says, the only reason I invited you because of the large amount of churches your ministry has planted. So you have to have a strategy. I said, well, I have to pray about it because I don't know it. <laughs> And so I prayed about it. And the Lord says, of course you have a strategy. You've been walking it for, since 2002. I said, Lord, what is it? He says, it's very simple. You send out one evangelist. He has 10 students. Takes a year to train 10 students. He sends out 10 students to 10 villages. They... Train 10 students each in the 10 villages, plants a church in 10 villages and a Bible school in 10 villages. They send out 100. Following year, the 100 do the same, and they send out 1,000. Then they send out 5,000, then 10,000, and then 20,000. That's how you did it. Oh! So for the first time, I had it on paper. So I've been walking it without even knowing. That's how little I'm in control of the ministry. God's in control. He has done it. I thought, wow, Lord. Wow, thank you for what you've done. God does it. So what is the result of living in him? One, we will be blessed with all spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. We become strong in his grace. 2 Timothy 2.1. Now therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. We're strong in his grace. Outside his grace, we are weak. 
We have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We can have the mind of Christ only through yielding to him, yielding my intellect to his. So his replaces ours. We receive understanding, that's four. John 5.20, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that his self doeth. When we come to Jesus, the Father gives us understanding. This is the only reason I've written those books. I cannot even write a letter outside prayer. But in prayer, I can barely stop writing. Written six books, I'm on my seventh. In prayer, God does it. Five, we receive anointing. 1 John 2, 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. Isn't that fantastic? We're already anointed if we live in him. That's how we receive our anointing in him. Six, we receive confidence. 1 John 4, 14. And this is a confidence we have in him that we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. And then the Lord says, go and pray for that person. Well, if God tells you to pray for somebody, know that that person will be healed. Like me, you can say within two minutes you'll be able to walk or see. And within two minutes they are. One of our students, we teach this to our students, he's going in the back entrance at Blantyre Hospital because they're working the front entrance. And the Lord says, go and pray for the dead man on your right. So this 20-year-old student goes up to the foot of the bed and he simply says, if you are supposed to live, then in the name of Jesus, sit up. And the dead man sat up. See, if God tells you to raise the dead, you can be sure he will do it. Well, they kept him in three days for observation. But God not only raised him from the dead, he healed him of the malaria that killed him as well, of course. That's his God. Seven, we receive of his love. Romans 8, 39, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eight, we shall live, move, and have our being in him. We're living in him, so we live and move in him. Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. We should be living exactly the same as a first Disciples and apostles lived in the book of Acts because the book of Acts is not completed yet. It will only be completed when Jesus comes back. So if we are not seeing the same miracles as in the books of Acts, there's something wrong. Nine, we shall live in his fullness. Colossians 1.19 for it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. It's Jesus. Colossians 2.9.
For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Ten, we shall walk fully in him. Colossians 2.6 As we have therefore received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. Walk out of our living in him in faith in this world. In Colossians 2.10 And you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. And 11, that Christ may be glorified in you. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 12, that in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God, Lord Jesus Christ. Then we are ready. We are already living out of his love. We are receiving all these glorious 11 Blessings through learning to dwell in his love. And we go out of his love, Colossians 2, 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught abounding with thanksgiving. To live out of his presence and power. 2 Corinthians 13, 4. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we are also weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. I know I'm weak, but he gives me the power and boldness to do the work. Boldness. Philemon 1.8 Therefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoy in thee that which is convenient and to become a well springing up to everlasting life, John 4, 14, but whoever drinks of the water I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water I shall give him will be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And then we're really able to live by faith. One Philemon one six that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. We're full of good things when we're living in Him, but without faith it is impossible to believe God. Hebrews eleven six but without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is. And that is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. Faith comes when we know Jesus is alive and live like Jesus is alive. Faith for the impossible is activated through prayer. And unbelief is the greatest obstacle for us to overcome. Jesus spoke about this. But Hebrews 6.18 says, By two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, that we may have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay 
hold upon the hope set before us. It is impossible that God should lie. So we cannot allow unbelief to come in because unbelief is from the devil who is a father of lies. So the devil can tempt you into unbelief. The impossible will always stay impossible for that person. But if we believe the Bible and what the Bible says, and God cannot lie, we will be able to press through the impossible to the possible. And we all have the grace and everything we need in the heavenly places to break through anything that's impossible while we're on this earth because we are taught to live in the supernatural because we are children of God. We are like Adam and Eve were before they sinned. I mean, Jesus, he had authority over nature, over distance, over sicknesses, over demons, and over death. He was born of the Virgin Mary, so not to be contaminated by the sin of man. Jesus knew no sin. So in him, we should be able to walk like Jesus. He even says, and greater things than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. See, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But we are born again to eternal life into the kingdom of God in heaven, which we should be living from right now. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And let's go to Luke 17, 20 to 21. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or say there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. So there's two things in living out of the presence of God. One is hearing God. Mark 4.24 says, And he said unto them, Take heed what you hear, with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you, and to you that hear shall more be given. And when we hear God in that secret place, in fellowship with God in heaven, and in revelation when the Father speaks. We need to obey God exactly as he tells us. Exodus 19.5 Now therefore, if you obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for the earth is mine. Hebrews 5, 9 promises, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all of them that obey him. And as we obey God, we will rejoice with thanksgiving. 
Psalm 4.8, I delight to do your will, O God, and your law is within my heart. Psalm 33.21, for our heart shall rejoice in him because we've trusted in his holy name. And 2 Corinthians 2.14, now give thanks unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, making manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. You know, every time God tells us to do something, it takes a sacrifice or inconvenience or both. But when we press through, there is 100% always a blessing the other side. I have never once regretted the sacrifice or inconvenience of going where God tells me to go. And I have gone to some very inconvenient places, I can assure you. But you know, when you see the healings, it's all worthwhile. And then we can go out in our ministries in triumph. 2 Timothy 1.9 Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to Christ his own purpose and grace, which given us in Jesus before the world began. That's what we're on earth for. That's why we're here. And then the nations will be blessed. Jeremiah 4.2 Thou shalt swear, O Lord, liveth in truth and judgment and righteousness, and the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. Twelve disciples brought the unknown world of their time back to God. How about us doing something? We have the power and authority of Jesus to bring Australia fully back to God. Yeah. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. John the Baptist prepared the way for the first coming of Jesus. And I believe the Lord is calling you to usher in the greatest event the world has ever seen, the second coming of Christ. It could be in our generation. I'd just like to read one more scripture from 1 Peter 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you may show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past you were not a people, but now the people of God. Once you had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. What a blessed privilege and awesome responsibility God has given us. Let us move more and more into his presence. Let us thank him daily and praise him without ceasing. 
Let us worship him at his feet daily, that he can change us more and more into his likeness. Let us position ourselves for victory in him and pray his will into existence on this earth. Well, that is what the Lord's given me to bring you. And I believe, well, can I ask you a question? Who of you would like to live in Christ in prayer? Just raise your hand. Almost every single person. Well, that takes action. I'm a riding teacher, always been a riding teacher. You cannot teach a child to ride a horse unless they get on the horse. Same with Christianity. You can't teach a person to be a Christian without them putting it into action in prayer and service. It takes action. The Bible is very practical. So I challenge you, you've made a commitment. I'd like to call you forward and make a commitment to the Lord yourself. I'll be kneeling with you because I've got to do it every day of my life as I learn to live in his presence more and more. Come forward. Lord, I thank you for calling us forward now. And Lord, I believe you're calling us forward because you want to pour out a blessing on us right now that we may have the strength to achieve what we are wanting so badly to achieve in you. The reality the devil's trying to stop us from prayer. He'll go to all lengths to stop us from prayer. But we've got to fight him off. And come to you anyway. Even when our minds are wandering or falling asleep because it's hard to pray. Lord, then we just pray out loud. That's all. If you can't do it sitting down, then we stand up and praise you. Give us a determination to really seek you and come into your presence till we're living in your presence and living from your presence, then you will shine through our eyes, you will shine through our beings, and everybody will want what we have, and suddenly revival will break out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 